be the only one excited that hockey's coming back, even in the dead of summer, right? I mean, do I do I hear crickets here about hockey? Look, in fact, all major sports leagues except baseball have penciled in on the calendar their season restarts after the coronavirus pandemic shut everybody and everything down, right? Including all live sports. I do have to say, though, basketball bothered me immensely because I spend much of the season ripping the Celtics in front of my husband, Jeff, a tried and true Bostonian. But even as every league endured this massive force majeure interruption, barstool sports, the irreverent sports, pop culture, sex, lifestyle, blog, and media giant never missed a beat. In fact, it has exploded in popularity. And this past January, Penn National Gaming took a 36% stake in the company, giving it a $450 billion valuation. Who finagled that deal? The CEO, Erica Nardini. Yes, the woman who beat out, what, 38,000 men for the job and who with all her free time has a sizzling hot podcast on Barstool Sports called Token CEO. What a climb she has endured through her career. Erica, it is great to have you on Everyone Talks to Liz. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Liz. Thanks for having me. Let's just get to the news. All right. In the summer, and we're getting everything but baseball, I guess, right? I can't wait. I just was talking about baseball. I'm I'm mostly fired up for hockey. I'm a Bruins fan, so we may I still love you, like, but I'm rooting for my bees. I think they're <laughs> gonna crush your Rangers. Uh, but hockey's back. I'm fired up about it. NBA's yeah. coming back. Baseball has its like pants and a wad, which is just what baseball does. So well, let me just say though, uh, two you know, I'm, I'm accused of breaking my ankle jumping on bandwagons, but while I grew up an LA Kings fan, when I'm on the East Coast, which is where I'm based, I have to be a Ranger fan. So, yeah, you have to have a girl, team. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Of I, to be honest with you, it, I, when I lived in Boston forever, and then when I moved to New York, I moved to New York like 10 years ago, mm-hmm. and I was like, I need a New York team. And it wasn't going to be the Knicks, and it, you know, it, <laughs> It just, it wasn't ever going to be the Yankees. And I was like, maybe I could, maybe I could get with the Rangers. The Rangers would be the only ones I would even think of getting with, but. But you're still brewing. But I haven't oh. yet. Yeah. Oh God, you and my <laughs> husband. I'm loyal. They're annoying. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Yay hockey. So, I mean, what has the total and utter suspension of live sports done against or for Barstool. It just doesn't seem like you guys missed a step. We didn't. It didn't It didn't even really matter, which sounds so strange. We were so worried about it. You know, when the pandemic started and sports were shut down, you know, especially it happened right in the middle. We, we were literally days away from going on tour for March Madness. March Madness was about to kick off and we, mm-hmm. we had readied a four-state tour around March Madness. So we were uncertain. It feels like a lifetime ago what life was like at the beginning of March, but we really, Liz, haven't missed a beat. Like we've made more content. We have, you know, we've gotten more streams. We've grown more followers. We have more excitement around the brand that, than ever. And I think the reason is, is that, yes, we love sports as much or more so than everyone else. And we have a funny take on sports and a unique opinion about sports. 
But we also, you know, we have something that most media companies don't have, which is we pretty much talk about whatever the heck we want. Our personalities can make any, most anything funny. And they've done so. And they've, they're ingenious in what they've created. Dave Portnoy has become arguably one of the most influential people in finance by virtue of day trading. Dan Katz mm-hmm. is the single biggest streamer on Twitch playing NCAA 14 football under a fat coach named Coach Duggs who's playing for Tennessee. So we're still (laughs) making sports and we're talking about sports and we're living sports, just the sports themselves are different. And I think that's what makes us really different. Well, yeah. And and if I know about you, because I'm old AF, um, and my daughter, who's 18 going on 16, because she's that way, you know, she's, she's one of those people that says, I literally don't even know what you're talking about. What What is with the people that... And then it's like a, <sighs> at the end of it, probably. Yeah. <sighs> like literally? <laughs> what, what is a literally? Okay. Uh, that said, you span a pretty broad gamut here. And when I think about the website, there is an article or an entry or a blog comment that is going to grab somebody's mm-hmm. attention. Yep. I mean, I'm, I just popped in today and I'm looking at about, well, I can't use some of the, the four-letter words here because yeah. I've tried before. Yeah, you know, Fox beeps me. It's really it's terrible. terrible. Um, yeah, yeah, it's about how tennis player Noah Rubin really ripped no- Novak Djokovic uh, for being a jerk. Um, that was not the word he used, jerk. But I, I, immediately <laughs> I'm thinking, I have to read that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but, we are, like, we're all about opinion. And, you know, we do span a huge audience. You know, we have... You know, we have 12-year-olds and 10-year-olds watching pizza reviews, following us on Instagram, <laughs> watching our personalities on TikTok, and we've got 60-year-olds reading the blog every day. And And I think that it's funny is funny, you know what I mean? And I think the, the cool thing about us is we've got all these different personalities. They care about all sorts of different things. They do it all in their own way. And there's the, I think the cool thing about Barstool is that we, we just kind of grab you. Like, we can... There's always something that brings you in. What with the blog you find funny might be different than the blog I find mm-hmm. funny. Yeah. Um, but you know, funny is funny. Uh, you know, mainstream media and sports, and boy, there's a lot of it, have tried, have tried this, and it's cringeful because they Very. can't go all out. It was sort of like when uh, regular broadcast networks were trying to do edgy programming mm-hmm. like The Sopranos on HBO, and they couldn't. They just couldn't do it. Um, it's very authentic from where you guys stand. And when I say you guys, you're a girl. Last night checked in. Uh, <laughs> how did you get to be the CEO of Barstool Sports? This is what we talk about on Everyone Talks to Liz, which is the climb. Mm-hmm. And it's never a straight, easy line. Mm-hmm. And we like to pass this on to all of our listeners because, you know, we want to be inspirational certainly and uh, they look at people like you and oh, she's so lucky she's got this great job yeah it, you know it wasn't easy yeah it wasn't easy it took a long time you know I I think that's the hard things people sometimes only see you where you are right now and you think like oh she's just there she's so lucky what a oh, great yeah, job yeah, lucky. that's mm-hmm. awesome you know what like I was in the trenches I had you know I've I spent my 20s and 30s working. I, I have done, I love to work, thankfully, but I didn't have a very, um, 
I didn't have a straight line path as a career. Um, I, I was always very decisive about what I liked doing and what I didn't like doing. And, and so I hopped around a lot. Like I, you know, I started my career. I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. I definitely, I didn't want to be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Um, I took a massive pay cut. I racked up a bunch of debt. I went from a job at Fidelity Investments to working at a bunch of ad agencies making. Okay, well, wait, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Pay cut. Let's, let's talk about that. Yeah. I've taken pay cuts. I've taken pay cuts to, to jump forward. Yeah. Um, can you be a little more specific? Sure. For us? Yeah. So I was, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. I was making $50,000 a year. This was 1998, which was a lot of money. A lot. I think, at 50, a lot. That mm-hmm. was a lot of money. It still money. is kind of a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was bored, Liz. I just, I wasn't fulfilled. I was bored. I was kind of going through the motions of like what everybody thought I should want to be doing. And, I would show up every day and yeah, like I could go out all the time and I could buy all the clothes that I wanted and I got used to that. Um, But I wasn't happy at work and I wanted to make a change. I wanted to work in advertising. And so I went to the HR person at Fidelity. She, Fidelity is a company that is about money. Like it is a company that makes money. Like they they work in money. And she was like, you're a idiot. Like, I don't know if you can swear on the show, but that's basically what she said to me. And I said, no, I really want to do it. I know you think I'm crazy. I know you think this is a bad decision. And I went from, I went, I made $17,900 and which is a big big cut. cut. It was a big cut. And honestly, it was the one of the single best things I ever did. I started to work in advertising. I the internet was just starting. So I got to work in the internet because nobody wanted to work in the internet. The inter- print, print media and broadcast media was so cool and big and sexy and important. And it got all the attention. It got all the love. And the internet was like this freakazoid little thing over oh, there. Yeah. No, it was like CompuServe. Completely. <laughs> like it was like, the di- it was dial up. Yeah. And I got a chance to work in the internet, basically, you know, with a really small team, I got to put my hands in everything. Nobody was looking over my shoulder because nobody gave a mm-hmm. and I got so much experience and I felt like that pay cut, you know, I was, I was very mindful thereafter. Like it took me a while, like personally, like personal finance wise, it took me like way too long to realize I wasn't making $50,000 anymore, which I think happens to people. Um, figured that out. But I also was really mindful of like jumping up in my career to get back to the $50,000. But the tuition that I got in those four years where I just got to put my hands on everything and I got so much more responsibility than I other otherwise would have was awesome. Like there's a currency to that. It may not be green, mm -hmm. but when you trade that out, I, I always want people to understand there sometimes is more value yes. in that than actually taking the bigger paycheck. Completely. It's yeah. the single biggest thing, you know, for me, talk about paying yourself. Like I think if you can pay yourself in opportunity and experience, that's the single best thing of all. Like when we look at people we hire at Barstool, like the people who stay up late learning how to edit video or who spend their time making a side social account so they can play with copywriting. And so like the people who, who don't take the job that your dad or your mom thinks you should take, or that your, you know, your boyfriend's mother thinks is good. But the things that you're like, I'm learning a skill. 
I think those, those are the kinds of people who ultimately will be most successful. So after several stints from Microsoft to Yahoo to AOL, any of which people today would just die to work at, you know, talk about the big vaulting move across a yawning gap to Barstool Sports. Um, yeah, it was funny. So I was, I was the CMO of AOL. I had like worked my way up. I felt like that's what I always wanted to be. I was like, I'm going to be a CMO. I really want to be a CMO. I was so happy when I got that title at AOL. Um, and, but what I started realizing, Liz, like six months into it, is like, I'm not very happy. I had that same feeling I had back in Fidelity where I'm just like, I'm not fulfilled. I'm not like, I'm not passionate about what I'm doing. Like, I don't feel like I'm learning and growing. Like, I just feel like I'm going through the motions. So uh, left to go uh, be part of a, you know, jumpstart a music startup. And I had gone to meet the Chernin group. So Peter Chernin, who, you know, was with Fox for a long, long time. Yeah, sure. um, he has a very, very successful, you know, kind of media investment firm, I guess I would call it. And I went to see them. It was January of 2016. And we're in a meeting about something else. And I was nervous about the meeting. I was excited about it. And they said, hey, there's this company. We just invested in Barstool Sports. You, you, I'm sure you've never heard of them. And I said, hold one second. Pulled out my phone. And I was like, oh, I've heard of Barstool Sports. And I lit up and I showed them the app. And I was like, here's everything I love about Barstool Sports. Here's everything they could be doing. This is why this could be such a big company and a big brand. And God, this app is like the biggest piece of you've ever seen. So, um, and I went on and on and on and on. And I, and I knew that they were going to be looking for a guy and they were, you know, they were going to be looking for someone with a business degree or somebody who worked in sports or, you know, somebody who kind of fit the profile. And I left and I was, I just felt jealous to be honest with you, Liz. I was just like, oh, I wish I could have a chance. You know, they're going to look for a CEO. I wish I could have a chance. And I had a friend who, uh, who went to the same college that I did, and she'd graduated a couple of years before me, and she, she was kind of in my women's mafia um, and a mentor, and I knew that she knew Dave Portnoy, the founder of Barstool, and I was like, that's like, at any point, I would just sometime love to meet Dave. Like, I'd, sometime I would, and I didn't want to come on too strong, and I didn't want to ask too much, um, but then she introduced me to Dave, and Dave and I had coffee in the West Village and totally hit it off, like not in the context of looking for a CEO, I just wanted to meet him. Um, we had an awesome conversation, like it was like, you know, thousand ideas and talking about things and- yeah. Brother from another mother. Yeah, like I was just like, I love this guy and mm -hmm. God, what a cool company and God, he could do so much. I, I, know, I know the things that could help. Um, and I had so much respect for what Barstool was and what he had built. And long story short, went through the process. I was the only candidate that didn't tell them that they were doing something wrong or that they needed to change how they did what they did. Um, and I think I was probably the candidate who was most passionate about the brand and most optimistic and excited about the future. And I'd never been a CEO. Uh, the chairman and guy, Peter Chairman was like, I don't know if you can do this job or not. And I was like, I'm going to do this job. And the rest has kind of been history. Oh, and, and what a pivot, because you think about what just happened in those two key meetings, one with the Chernin Group and one with Dave. 
And you, it sounds like, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like, Erica, you did not wait for them to start asking you questions. You started yeah. saying yeah. right away, here's what is amazing. Here's what I love. Um, you guys could fix the app. Uh, but you didn't try and change the genetics of what has made Barstool Sports mm -mm. Barstool Sports. And, and where did you learn how to do that? Because, look, uh, you know, I always tell people, and I say, oh my God, you're so in your face. You run up, you talk to, you know, you interview some of the most powerful people in the world or back in my local news days, criminals. Mm -hmm. And I said, I was not always like this. I had to teach myself and buck some of my natural inclinations, which mm -hmm. were to be the daughter of really high level, high class Canadians who, <laughs> you know, Canadians, they're extremely mm -hmm. nice. Mm -hmm in the corporate world and in that moment, those pivotal moments where it's do or die in an interview, you got to jump off. Yeah, the you got to go for it. Go for it. Did you just naturally have that or did you somehow learn how to do that on your own? I don't know. I, I think I've always had to work my way to get things. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was in high school, I always had to work. I was a good athlete, but made to be a much, much better athlete because I worked hard at stuff. Um, just was always working. Like I always knew that I was never going to be on a resume or on paper, like the choice. And I, I was okay at interviewing, but I, I've always like, I have a lot of energy. So I always wanted to like jump on. I just felt like no one was ever going to make something for me or make something happen for me. And I've never been someone like, I just haven't learned in my life, like waiting doesn't get you anything. Do you know what I mean? And oh. I'm like, I might as well ask, like, I might as well try to get this job. Like the worst thing I could, you know, even I was thinking this in the barstool process. I'm like, the worst thing that could happen is I'll be like, my heart will be broken. I'll be crushed because somebody else got the job. And if somebody else got the job, you know what I would have done? I would have been disappointed and bummed, but I would have waited because that person would up in the job and then I would go for it again. So like... I think that good things don't happen to you. I think people make good things happen. And I think the worst thing that can happen sometimes or most times, at least in this kind of stuff, in career and in interviews, and is just not to put yourself out there, to be afraid of, uh, of rejection. And, you know, if someone rejects you hard or says you're not good enough, it's either motivating for you and it gives you that fire in your belly to like go try and push harder or those weren't your people to begin with. Anyway. It, they're just not your people. So okay. I'm like, all right, you learn one way or the other. I've always gotten frantic sometimes saying nothing just happens. You have to go out and grab it and scratch and claw for it. I'm a little bit with the blood dripping from my jaws because I'm redhead. <laughs> but, um, yeah. My husband's like, you scare me. You scare me. <laughs> Settle down. Um, <laughs> But life's short, right? It is short. It is short. We're not done yet. We'll be back in a moment. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates 
candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clayman. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clayman right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clayman. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're, you're the CEO already for a couple of years. January, the Penn National Gaming is struck. Yep. Were you worried at all that by having this bigger corporation take a chunk of you guys, were you worried that you would have to become more corporate or was there an implicit sort of message saying you don't try and mess with our DNA? Um, I mean, that deal, it's so funny, Liz. It's, it's like hard to remember. Do you know, I've almost like blocked out the last year because <laughs> all I did was like hope and pray and work and cry and work harder and try to figure mm-hmm. something out to try to get that deal done. Um, I didn't worry about Penn changing us. I think Dave Portnoy is so strong. Mm-hmm. I think we're very strong. And we've built a really strong company. We, we have built a strong company that knows who it is. And we have a way, you know, the, the good things is the last four years in some ways have been like a battering ram. Like we've gotten in every ch- type of trouble imaginable. We've gotten every type of controversy imaginable. We've had every headline written about us imaginable. And it kind of toughened us up. Uh, and I think the Barstool, the original Barstool guys were already tough because they'd been dealing with that for the past 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so when when Penn came along, you know, what I loved about Penn was that they appreciated who we are, what we bring, how we do things. And they were the first per- people to say, we don't, we're not a media company. We don't know about media, being a media company. Now, that said, there are things they want us to do. To do. I mean, I spent two and a half weeks on the road meeting with, you know, government officials and they're in a highly regulated industry and it's way higher stakes than our little media company over here. So there are ways that we have to change and evolve. And I think we've done a you know pretty good job of that and we'll continue to work on that. Um, but I think the best thing I love about, I love about this company is like this company knows what it is mm-hmm. and that feels good, you know? I would imagine, but at, with this Penn National Gaming uh, relationship, you're going bigger into gambling. Mm-hmm. So that's why you're meeting with government officials. Totally, yeah. Uh, you know, as as the United States start to unite and legalize this, mm-hmm. you got to cater to that. That I would imagine was part of the deal. My gosh, you know, that's where the revenue is. Yeah, that's right. Gambling. So, are you worried that you might forget worried? How do you straddle this line of embracing that opportunity, but also, Erica, making sure that you don't alienate um, sports fans who really don't want to gamble? Yes, I think about that a lot. So, you know, I really look at that I have two jobs. I My primary job is to steward Barstool Sports, to continue to grow all the brands that we have here, to bring in new talent and personalities, to create new lines of business. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I think we are an ascendant. I know we are an ascendant media company. Um, that's my number. That's my day job. And then I also have this job of like, hey, sports betting is going to become something big. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very lucrative, highly regulated, highly nuanced, state by state, you know, game by game, sport by sport. 
but can we make betting cultural? Can, can we find a way to make sports betting be fun and rowdy and interesting and funny the way that we've done with every other thing that we've covered? Um, and so, you know, what I like about Barstool, it's kind of the same as looking at the blog every day, which is there's stuff that's going to jump out at you. There's podcasts you love. There's podcasts I love. They may not be the same ones. You may never bet. I may always bet, but we can still find humor in the game. You know, we created a show last fall called Barstool Sports Advisors, maybe two falls ago at this point, but it's basically sports sports betting meets mystery theater. And you don't even have to know how to bet to find it funny. And that's actually, I think, one of the secrets of, uh, of what, what's made us great creatively is like, you don't even really have to like the thing to like the way we cover the thing. Because the way we cover it is funny and interesting. Well, you know, are you going down a path as well for, I guess, other forms of gaming that don't involve direct gambling? I'm thinking about uh, fantasy or games of skill, uh, you know, prizes, that kind of thing. No, we'll stick it. We'll stick pretty straight. So, so the the Penn National Partnership they will take our brand. So mm-hmm. the Barstool Sportsbook will be the name of their sports betting operation. And you know, to be honest with you, it's our first year together. It will be their first, you know, first NFL, college football, hopefully their first season of having a digital platform and a digital product. So we'll, we'll stick pretty straight to that. Um, and I think that's really where the money will be. I think that's where all the energy will be. I think that's where all the product will be. Tell me now, you just mentioned creating new lines of business. Mm-hmm. I know you guys are thinking about restaurants. Is that still happening? I mean, we're thinking about everything. Yeah, like if you look at, you know... Uh, One Bite is single biggest, largest, single largest brand in the world around pizza. Mm-hmm. Dave, Dave Portnoy does, you know, One Bite. Everybody knows the rules. He does a two and a half to ten minute pizza review every single day for the quarantine. <laughs> he's been doing frozen pizza. Uh, you know, he goes all over the country reviewing pizza, and it's it's funny. And and we've built an app where. Anyone can give a one bite pizza review. Anyone can can share their favorite pizza place. Everybody loves pizza. Like it's very hard to meet people who don't like pizza. Um, and everybody's got their favorite pizza place, and everybody's got their pitch as to why that pizza is so great. And there's regional pride and local pride and town pride. And then you've got you know the thick crust people versus the thin crust people. Like there's so much to talk about with pizza. Um, why wouldn't that be a pizza? Why wouldn't that be a restaurant? Uh, and so that's how we start to think about things. One bite, that is, uh, you know, because I am I like the crust, but a little bit of the cheese, and then you got to have the crispy part, not the wet part. So Yeah, I agree. Um, I like it a little burnt. My, I like my pizza oh, yeah, yeah. a little bit. Well, I like it well done. Yeah. Yeah. I like yeah. pizza jerky. Like, it's got it really. Yeah, that's right. Head. Yeah, that's right. I'm with you. <laughs> so you've got your own blog now. Token CEO. Yep. I love the title. <laughs> a nod to the fact that you're a, a chick in a man's world. Yes, kind of thing, right? just here to make them look good. Yes. <laughs> Keep them in line, certainly. Yes. Um, how has that evolved? Uh, so it's new. So I, when quarantine started, I like to have a lot to do, Liz. So I was a little bit worried that I'm like not going to the office every day. And I'm like, what am I going to do with myself? And uh okay. Yeah, I make a podcast. I also always have been irritated because 
nobody ever lets us tell our story our way. Like there's always somebody else's agenda. Usually if I do a press interview, less so in podcasts, but you know, if I do a press interview with someone, you know, I'll think it will be a great interview and then it will come down on, you know, whatever perspective that person has on nothing that we talked about. So I also was getting kind of sick of that. So I made this podcast. I started it. I do it five days a week right now. Um, it started as 10 minutes. It's gone as long as 40 minutes. Now we're kind of averaging. It's hard to have a 10 minute podcast. Um, now we're averaging out like 30 minutes, but we talk about, you know, we talk about business. We talk about culture. We talk about media. We talk a lot about media. Um, we talk about being a woman in business sometimes. It's, it's really kind of a free for all, but it's basically my world and the world and just kind of how we see things and, and with a little bit of like what's happening inside a barstool at the same time. Well, one every day is, is pretty ambitious. Yeah, yeah, we're not going to keep that up. No, yeah. that, that's, that's yeah, very that's, ambitious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, merch. OMG, yes. your merch is huge. I mean, that, yes. that's quite a beast, is it not? How, it how is. is commerce driving the brand forward? Oh, I mean, I love commerce. I think mm. if you can get somebody to wear something with your <laughs> brand on it, like you win. Um, you know, I look at if you, you know, if you go and you love fish, the band fish, and you see somebody else with a fish sweatshirt on, like oh. you're going to go up to that guy or that girl yeah. and you're like, we're, we're together. Uh, same with the Rangers. You see somebody else with a Rangers jersey, you're like, I might have thought you were an but you got a Rangers jersey and I like the Rangers too, so I like you. Um, or I'm wearing a Bruins shirt and you're wearing a Rangers shirt and you're like, eh, I don't know about yeah. you. And when I see a Cleveland Indians hat, I get all geeked up because for some bizarre reason, I am not an L.A. Dodgers fan. I am a Cleveland Indian. Uh, from like Major League? Well, yeah, but I also did my first on-air market was Columbus, then Cleveland. Have no relation at all to Ohio. I'm from L.A. But <laughs> being there, it's they are like the bad news bears. I mean, I you can't that. not cheer on yep. the perennial losers. Yep. Yep. I agree. I agree. But Browns, too. I mean, Cleveland. Yep. It's, me. it's all me. But, you know, Major League, of course. I love Major League. Uh, yeah. We got uniforms and everything. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so anyway, so I like the merch business. I think mm -hmm. it, it says a lot if somebody wants to give you money to wear something of yours. Uh, I think it's a real honor. I think it's a compliment. And I also think that, like, everything is changing in the world. Like, everyone used to wear Nike or Under Armour or Adidas or – and now, like – I don't know, like those companies are all in the sneaker game. Why wouldn't you wear a Barstool sports t-shirt? Like there's no limit. I just don't, I don't believe that we're limited in anything that we could create. We have, we created one of the single biggest vodkas in the world mm. around a hockey brand. It's called Pink Whitney. So, yep. Yep. you know, so we, we create all sorts of products. It differs by brand. It differs by audience. Uh, um, the, the possibilities are endless. I mean, Barstool sippy cups, why not? Let's go, Liz. <laughs> you know, like we started. Double making, grip. Yeah, double grip. Dip it up. Tip it up. You know, we mm -hmm. made like we made buffs over quarantine. Like everybody wants to have a buff. Like they don't they need masks. Like we make you know, countless T-shirts. We, you know, when everyone was staying at home, we made more leisure wear. Like, so it's cool. We, we just, we are very creative and very entrepreneurial. And we've empowered our people to go make whatever they think will sell. 
We started with hockey. Let's end with hockey. All right. Uh, in your Day of Rants episode, mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned you want to buy a women's hockey team. Were you I, You want to buy one with me, Liz? I'm in. All right, let's go. I am so in, but I want to design the outfits. Okay, fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm game with that. You get the sippy cups and outfits. Okay, I just want, exactly. And the commentary. You need to cover the game. Yeah, can you imagine between you and me how we could promote this thing? It I could mean, be huge. I the out of it. Uh, I'm in. I love it. I started playing hockey last July. I love hockey. Um, did you skate before? I know you went to no. Colby College. I went to Colby College. I, did, I never skated before. Um, so I'm not particularly good. But I think that women, so I share a locker room with a pro player. Her name's Kelly Babstock. She's Canadian. And I just kind of got to know her and her story and what was happening with women's hockey. Women's hockey is, there's so much potential, I think, around women's hockey. Mm -hmm. I think it's so early. They don't have any broadcast rights. They don't have a real business model. Uh, they don't, you know, they have basically one ownership group. So I kind of got to thinking like, God, could, could we help? Could I change like how women's hockey is covered and how it's marketed? And could you create a lot of energy in the New York area around women's hockey? Like, I think you could youth hockey, girls youth hockey is like one of the fastest growing sports in the world. And that those girls don't have anyone that they can look up to on the pro level, or there's just not enough people that they can look up to. And the women who are there are awesome. So why not, why not give them more shine? Well, when you think about Megan Rapino, um, as what she's done for soccer, completely, you know, women's hockey is about what am I being, am I underestimating 15 years behind women's soccer? Oh, when? probably at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is this is uh, this is impressive. I like this because it's so unique. I've watched women hockey players, and it's fascinating to see how well they skate. They're so good, and how aggressive they are. They're so good, yeah. and you know why? You know what's awesome about them is they played against guys their entire life. Like right. Hillary Knight has played. Hillary Knight was like better than any boy she ever skated against. Like. If the, you know, like, I don't know why she isn't in the NHL to be totally frank with you, but like, they're awesome and good, good sport is good sport. So, okay. We're going to work on that. We need to buy a, a women's hockey team. Let's um, do it, Liz. Give me your last bit of advice to anybody listening right now who has a pretty comfortable gig, but feels the way you did when you were at Fidelity, which was, this is not what I want to do in life. I, like you, think life is very short, and I think you've got to make your success. And I think if you get complacent and sedentary, and I think two things happen. One, you start spending a lot of time complaining about your job, complaining about your coworkers, complaining about work. You become negative. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing is you lose sharpness. You lose the edge. Um, and I think losing edge is, it's hard to get the edge back. It's like getting in shape when you're out of shape. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think if you are in a career and you want to make a difference and you want to matter, you want to be fulfilled just for yourself, not for anybody else. You got to keep pushing your edge. And that would be my advice. Just keep pushing your edge. I love it. Erica, what a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. I just know when these things hit it out of the ballpark, sports analogy, um, that 
you know, you get that feeling. And when I'm learning something, I know it's awesome. Thank oh, that's you awesome. So, Thank you, Liz. So Have a great day. I can't wait to meet you in person. Uh, yeah, when this whole Meshuggah nightmare is over. We're gonna we're gonna buy our hockey team, and we'll have All some right, fun. Let's do it, Liz. We'll have a drink and buy a hockey team, and, and make we'll drink and, and, we'll, and we'll drink it out of a sippy cup. Barstool Sports. All right. Thank you so much, Erica Nardini. She is the CEO of Barstool Sports. And and gang, please take this message and run with it in your life because this is exactly what we want you to hear and what we want you to act upon. And as you're acting upon it, make sure you block out the 3 p.m. Eastern hour, Monday through Friday. It's the claim and countdown. Once you start making that money, we're there to help you keep it and grow it. So we'll see you then. Thanks so much for listening to Everyone Talks to Liz. Carry you next time.